Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your humble, happy hosts. I need to think of something better to say because that just sounds silly. Broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, my dear, welcome to today's radio show. Julie, Julie, Julie. I will have to make sure Julie's mounted or, or is unmuted. So listen, this week uh, we're going to be focusing on, as we always do, tactical and practical things that you guys can be doing now to make money. Uh, that's a big issue with a lot of you guys. You're kind of confused about where you should putting, be putting your focus and really confused about, frankly, where you should be, uh, you know, really putting your time. And a lot of you guys are easily distracted, and that's a thing that happens very aggressively this time of year because you have so many different schemes that are going to start showing up in your email, start showing up in your voicemail, people that are going to come to town and they're going to be offering this scheme and that scheme. Here's what I need you to be focused on. And I, got, I want you guys to write this down. This is an exercise actually I was doing for our business um, this morning. I was writing down basically our second half plan. Now our second half business plan, you know, basically it resembles the first half. But what I'm realizing is that there are some things that are fundamentally changing in the economy. I'm hearing that from all of you guys. I'm hearing that from mostly, you know, last year we started hearing that from all of our higher-end agents. Julia, are you on? I am, I think. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so we started hearing that <laughs> we, we started hearing that this year, or see, th- this time last year from our of our high-end agents, and we knew from having coached forever and sold real estate for the past two decades, we knew that when there's a slowdown, it never starts in the low end. It always starts in the high end. So last May, June, we started hearing, well, guess what? There's a slowdown. Stuff isn't selling. Nobody was reporting on it. Nobody was talking about it, but we knew it because the top agents in Manhattan, the top agents in Miami, the top agents in you pick your market, I pretty much can guarantee you that the top agents are, at least a few of them are our superstars. They were all telling us the same thing. Well, we paid attention to a lot of other things, too. And so that's the reason that about a month ago we told you, and with pretty much 100% certainty, that we are entering into a recession or at least some sort of reset in the economy. Um, and guess what? turns out that we are right, because now I'm hearing uh, from a lot of our top agents around the country that sell moderately priced homes, that they're, say, two are experiencing longer days in the market in a time of year when there should be, um, you know, essentially fewer days in the market. Now, you guys are seeing these housing reports come out, but remember the housing reports reflect the past. The past is what it is. You guys need to be thinking about strategically how to position yourselves for the future. And like I said, what I'm doing for our company right now is I'm writing down to get started in my thinking, to stay focused and stay drilled down. I'm writing down specific keywords, and then I'm going to build something very simple, and I'll share it with all the listeners. But I'll tell you, the first word I wrote down uh, when I was thinking about uh, the second half for our particular business was the word tactical, and the second word I wrote down was practical. So I'm going to... I'll. I'm going to write something. I'm going to share it with, obviously, all of our coaches and all the administrative people and all the other people that work for us, and I'll share it with all of you listeners, and you guys might want to adopt the same thing for your real estate practices. And I know we have a lot of international listeners. I know we have a lot of people that are in just general, you know, they own their own business and they listen. Um, so you guys, my, my prevailing suggestion for all of you, and I don't like using the word advice, so I won't, but my prevailing suggestion for all of you 
is that you do stay glued down and you do remain ambitious, you remain opportunistic, you keep your mindset geared around having a mindset of service, but at the same time, I want you guys to start really pivoting towards that tactical, practical thing, which means that the manner in which you treat your money, the manner in which you save, the manner in which you do or don't accumulate debt, the manner, you know, remember guys, debt's only good for, you should only use debt for really, you know, depending on your stage in life. You should only be using it for buying uh, a house, uh, and you should be using it for things that are going to make you money. Things that are 100% for sure going to make you money, like education. Or if you can buy something that, you know, you have a high probability of over time making you money. You know, those are the types of things you can, you know, like, for example, a piece of investment real estate. Those are the types of things that you can go in debt for where it's called a self-satisfying debt, or basically the debt pays for itself. So if you buy a rental property and the tenants pay for it, well, depending on your equity situation, you have a situation where the, you, know, you don't really have any ongoing carrying costs because the tenant's paying for it. Well, the same thing goes true with basically other aspects of your business. So you know, as I work on this for our own business, what I want you to be thinking about is what you're obligating yourself to. Don't be signing up for any sort of lead buying service. That's an enormous mistake. Do not be buying buyer leads from anybody. Listen to me, guys. Stop doing it. It's just dumb. You can generate your own buyer leads. Buyer leads are the easiest thing in the world to generate. And when you stop buying the buyer leads, that means automatically you're going to stop buying all the ancillary services that so many of you guys have subscribed to as a result of having to buy buyer leads. We're coming into a time in the housing cycle where there's going to be more opportunity, but it's not going to be for – the opportunity is going to be for agents that have the proper skill set. Your 100% focus for the next six months, and again, this is going to be something I tie back into our own business as well. It's, it goes with the whole staying tactical thing, is make sure that you are you know, essentially reading your own tea leaves and not reading your neighbor's tea leaves. In other words, you are staying focused on your own business. You're staying focused on your own opportunities. Look to see where your past business came from. Um, look to see where you can be manifesting more relationships. Don't be... Uh, be putting yourself in a position where you can learn the skill set that's going to be necessary as we're in this transitionary time into the next housing market, okay? That's, you know, and again, I'm going to help you guys nail this down for the rest of the week. Today, we're going to finish up the show we started last week. And the show we started last week is what rich people know that you probably don't. Now, that is a topic that we designed to particularly grab your attention. But based on the feedback we've been getting so far, Julie, a lot of people really love this topic. That's right. It's something that I don't think enough people talk about. You're probably not getting it from your office managers. You're probably not getting it from your in-office training. You're probably not getting it from your CE credit. So that's where we fill in the gaps. And a lot of people, Tim, tell us that they look at us more as their brokers and their coaches and things like that. And, and that's fine. That's part of the reason we do this podcast is to fill in your education. And, I, you know, that's why we get back to how many times people talk to you about what rich people know. I mean, how many times has anybody brought that topic up with you, right? So let's jump back in on point number six. If you guys missed the previous five points, catch the podcast replay. You can get caught up. So but point Julie, number six, Julie, go ahead. Julie, I think you just said something really important. I want our listeners to just write that down. A lot of you guys are using this for our podcast for education in your offices too. We aren't given financial education. No, none of us are. None of us are given financial education anywhere in primary or secondary Maybe if you go get an MBA, then hypothetically, but truthfully, even then, no one's giving you wealth building information. First of all, you've got to stop for a second. You've got to say, that is really friggin' weird, <laughs> you know, considering <laughs> yeah. how much people spend on education, 
you know, considering the fact that it, the whole one of the main drivers of education is so you can make more money, you know, considering the fact that lack of money or lack of knowing how to manage the money that you've got is one of the biggest stressors of people's lives, and yet nobody in the traditional you know education you know paradigm teaches how to actually build wealth. Don't you all think that's interesting? Okay, it's because they don't want you to know that. That's the truth. And who the they is is it's basically the institution that we all live you know, the country that we all live. None of them want you to have wealth because if you have wealth, you have freedom. And if you have freedom, then you no longer, you no longer are dependent. It really is that simple, guys. Having control of your life through having control of your money gives you the freedom then to basically be, to think independently. Most people are motivated today by two primary things, because they have debt and because they have fear. The fear is if they can't make the, you know, keep up with the debt, they're going to have what they have taken away. And the fear also is from basically all the news and all the other things. I mean, it's all basically about terrorists, and it's all about this problem and that problem, right? So people are driven, and they don't, they're not doing this consciously. They're doing this subconsciously. They're being uh, forced you know, basically to stay on the hamster wheel for their entire lives because they have debt, and they basically have the fear of not being able to meet those debt obligations. When you are on a perpetual cycle like that, you never have an opportunity to jump off, you know, and then think clearly because you're always under that constant barrage of stress. You're always under that constant uh, barrage of, you know, fear. So here's the thing. The core, the essence of what we want all of you guys to do, whether you're coaching clients or not, is we want you to really embrace the idea that what most of you are searching for is on the other side of essentially accumulating enough wealth that you can be financially free so that your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And that's not a very hard goal to accomplish when you really have an understanding of basically how much you actually need to earn per month. You can create passive income, most of you can, off two or three rentals, and basically you can be financially free. You can meet the, the definition of being rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. But what people do because there's so much – shitty information out there is they confuse themselves how to go about doing it. And the classic example in the real estate business is how many of you guys are buying leads? How many of you guys are building these complicated systems? How many of you guys are building these real estate teams? How many of you guys are chasing, you know, this carrot that doesn't truly serve your own purpose? You are actually, by pursuing many of the goals that you guys are pursuing, you have never actually stopped to ask yourself, why is it that I'm working so hard to accomplish that particular goal? What is my particular goal? If my particular goal is to have my money working for me so I no longer have to work for money, my money, so I can actually feel free, so I don't have to feel that I'm subject to that constant cycle of fear, well, then does building a team, as an example, does that really fit that? Does that really make sense? Or am I doing something that maybe my world, maybe my particular paradigm, my office, my brokerage, my existing belief system is pressuring me to do? So you guys, until you actually are awoken to the fact that many of you are following paths that have been paved by other people that are not necessarily the paths that you should be on because your value structure is different, because what you want out of life is different. I mean, Julie and I are in our 40s, and we have this conversation, you know, now and then where we ask ourselves, why is it that we're driven to do these particular things? And it might be a financial thing, it might be a materialistic thing, it might be a this thing or a that thing. And you know how often we actually come up with a legitimate answer to whatever the question is at this point? It's like never. 
So, you know, if I ask Julie, why is it that we want this particular thing when we have this particular thing? Why is it that we want this new one? There really is no good reason for it other than, you know, some socialized programming, some, you know, some software basically that's lingering in our brains that might not still be relevant. Um, I know this sounds a little weird to a lot of you guys, but the real bottom line is, is you know, if we are in front of the 10,000 agents right now, 10,000 business owners, and we were to get down to the essence of why it is that you took the risk of starting your own business, cut through all the Mickey Mouse, you know, I wanted to have money, I want to have this, I want to have that. What you want is you want a freedom. So then if that's truly what your value is, to have freedom, how many things are you putting in the way of actually accomplishing that goal? When you are willing to have that conversation with yourself, then your world opens up because then you're going to start finding books and you're going to start finding people. You're going to start finding videos on YouTube. You're going to start finding things to reinforce that. And then you start making different decisions. Then you start thinking more like a business person, not like an, you know some sort of crazed you know egomaniac agent. Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so easy to get kind of sucked into that process, right? Because there's an award for everything. I think there's like an award for attendance now for being in real estate or something. I don't know. <laughs> there is. But, always has been there, dude. Who showed up at the I office know. the most days? I know. Exactly. You know. So let's let's get back to talking about what rich people actually do, what they actually know. It's easier to just emulate that than try and reinvent the wheel and come up with your own thing. So this is historical, researched, proven, often reported on stuff. So number six. They diversify in valuable, tangible assets. Almost half invest in these assets, including things like timber properties, investment real estate, farmland. 20% collect fine art. Okay, so here's the question. Are you diversified? What are the investment opportunities that you're studying? And again, this gets back to the fact that, by and large, probably a lot of you aren't actually studying that because nobody's exposed it to you. Nobody talks about it. People get uncomfortable talking about money. But the fact is, wealthy people are diversified. They have valuable, tangible assets, and it's not all in just one thing. The great thing about real estate is you're exposed to a lot of this stuff. Maybe you haven't ever sold commercial property, but you have access to it. You have access to people who really know about that stuff. So diversify yourself. Number seven, they're disciplined. Oh, there's a black hole of real estate, right? They're actually disciplined. About four out of five of wealthy people surveyed said investing to meet long-term goals is more important than making money for short-term wants and needs. So I wrote down the question, what is your long-term strategy? This is a major part of what we do in coaching. We get you out of that check-to-check, live-for-the-short-term commission, get that consistent and then you can start having a long-term strategy. You've got to take care of your basic consistent needs first, and then you can go to your long-term strategy. That's something that many agents struggle for with year, it, I mean, years and years going after, you know, it starts out a deal to deal, then it's a handful of deals to a handful of deals, then it's feast and famine at a higher level. You know, maybe before you were living from $2,500 check to $2,500 check, and some of our coaching clients, they're trying to get to 25000 consistently every month. So that's where coaching comes in. All right, so the well, next point, I mean, go ahead. But, well, but you, you know, Julie, you're saying a couple of things that are really important. You know, you said a lot of them are trying to get to 25000 That's probably true for the bulk of them. But we have many, many clients now that are doing consistently 250000 a month. Well, I'm talking you know, about per month taken, consistently. You know, you right, go from too. feast and famine tiny to feast and famine big. Consistently, cash first. right. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. so why is it that most agents don't have a long-term strategy? 
is because they're still focused on their quarterly strategy or every six months or that sort of thing because of the nature of the business is part of it and because nobody's shown you how to do it any differently. It's almost like a, a badge of honor or it's just the way it is that agents walk around stressed and we all understand that and we're all subject to that commission. It doesn't have to be that way. Most of our coaching clients that have been with us you know, and have been coachable and implemented the things that we teach, they have savings. They have a long-term strategy. They can tell you about when they're going to be able to switch from doing real estate because they have to to because they want to. Big difference on those things. So that becomes their long-term strategy. Ready for point well, number eight? You know, what's well, what's interesting to me about that particular mm-hmm. thing is how really elegant and simple a, real one, a well-run real estate practice should be, could be, is. And how yes. complicated and how ridiculously, I mean, stupid, a lot of the things that are being taught to agents. Uh, and, you know, guys, why should I be politically correct? Why should I basically, you know, pander to, you know, I'm not going to. Some of the things you guys are doing, some of these business plans you guys are being asked to fill out, some of these acronyms you're asking, to, being asked to learn, some of these ridiculous past client systems you're at being asked to implement – Guys, you are spending more time and energy trying to learn somebody else's system without clearly knowing the why. Why is it you're particularly why you're doing it? And the, rea- the bottom line is, guys, is real estate is elegant when you do it correctly. Re- real estate is simple, really, truly is. You say more or less the same thing all day long. <laughs> you do. You guys are going to use the same scripts, so true. same objection handlers, the same price reduction script, the same listing presentation, the same conversations over and over and over again. Uh, but what happens is that nobody tells you guys the real bottom line is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. How many people have ever told you that in your entire life? That would be a total of nobody except us. Now, if you're a professional athlete, if you're an Olympic athlete, I was watching a commercial advertising the Summer Olympics, um, you know, a rerun commercial, and it was talking, you know, wh- who was that swimmer's name, Julie? What was his? Uh, Michael Phelps, yeah. I think. Right, and he, w- and he basically said our exact quote except for the last bit of it. He said, it's about doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. He didn't say at the highest level, but that's okay. We'll give him credit for it anyway. So there it is. I mean, anyone who performs at the highest level knows that. And, and once you're mentally and emotionally ready to actually buckle down and stay focused for maybe three or four hours a day, and work off what really is a very simple business plan, you will find that your whole life will start to change. Now, what happens to a lot of you guys is you think it's normal to start obscuring how simple this business truly can be with all this other extra information. You, want to, you, want to, you almost want it to be more complicated than it is. And I think after having coached for as long as we have, that many of you guys overcomplicate it by design. You do it on purpose so that you have an excuse not to do the real work. That's the truth. And if you get down to what, in essence, gets you paid in this or any other business, it's really only a handful of things that are going to end up getting you, getting you paid. The rest of it, guys, if it should ever make your to-do list, should be way down on your to-do list, not taking the time of what the actual top priority activities are. Which are, Julie? Well, I'd like to do it chronologically because if you don't do the first one, the rest don't matter. Number one, generate leads. Then you follow up on them. Pre-qualify, present, negotiate, close, lather, rinse, repeat, keeping it simple. So here it is, guys. If you know that essentially the cards are stacked against you for wealth accumulation, which, by the way, they absolutely are, if you know that uh, real estate really is, and my, I, 
anyone, send me an email, tim at timandjulieharris.com, with an argument against this next statement. I don't think you can argue against this statement. Real estate is the best way to make a lot of money, income, and then accumulate a lot of money to build riches. There, I don't think there is or ever will be a better way to make a lot of money than what you know. 99% of the listeners, over 100,000 listeners, what you guys are doing right now, you are in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Now it's necessary for you to take the right actions. So guys, while you're on your mobile device, or if you're on your desktop, you can go to joinharris.com, but on your mobile device, just scroll down and fill out that simple form. And when you do, we're going to call you back. You're going to schedule a time to speak with one of uh, our coaches, and they're going to call you back. They're going to answer any questions that you might have as a result of this or any other radio show, and then they're going to answer questions about the coaching program. The best way for most of you to come into our fold is basically by joining Real Estate Coaching Essentials. It's only $99 a month. It includes everything we've ever talked about on the radio show, all the listening presentations, all the everything, all the REO information, the BPO information, every single thing that you need to build your real estate practices is part of Real Estate Coaching Essentials. And if you use our student approval program, it's only $99 a month, no payment for the first 30 days. Um, and it's a six-month program, but we give you another six months at no additional charge. Now, this is a real-life coaching program with real-life coaches. You have a weekly semi-private call, and then you have a monthly private call with a coach. I mean, come on, guys. This is a no-brainer. You have been looking for the answer to basically get you to where you want to be, something to demystify all the clouds and all the haze and all the confusing information. This is it. And 100% of you are approved to be part of this program because Julie and I are working with two lenders, and we've actually basically underwritten this program personally. So that means that, you know, literally every single one of you can get into this coaching program. I don't know how else to say it. If you don't have, if you're in between closings, no problem. You can still get into the coaching program. If you want to pay for the complete coaching program, you just get it out of the way. You can do that too. This is the perfect way for you guys to get a leg up on your market. Point number eight, Julie. Okay, so point number eight is interesting. Point number eight, wealthy people had strong examples growing up. While the wealthy do not typically come from wealthy backgrounds, the majority were raised by parents who encouraged them to pursue their interests but, to set, but also set firm boundaries. About four out of five said that this was true about their childhood. These five values were stressed more while the wealthy were growing up. These five values, academic achievement, financial discipline, work participation, family loyalty, and civic duty. So I wrote down, was this your upbringing? And if not, it's not too late, you can recreate it through your associations and who you're studying and listening to. So, so many times some people will read a point like that, they had strong examples growing up, and, and maybe they had part of that, but not all of it. Maybe they didn't have any of it, right? Maybe they had no strong examples. And they say, oh, well, you know, that ship has sailed. No, it hasn't. You can recreate that. You're still growing up. Okay, believe me when I tell you. I would say Julie, that about myself, everyone I'm coaching. Go ahead. Julie, read, uh, those, uh, read those characteristics yeah. again. Yeah. Okay, so the five values that were stressed more while the wealthy were growing up. Academic achievement, financial discipline, work participation, family loyalty, and civic duty. So what I read in all those five have the same thing, which is taking action and having some level of discipline. Work participation, you can't do that when you're sleeping in. Financial discipline, well, you've got to have some finances to have discipline about it. Um, family loyalty, civic duty, taking action. So if you were to break those down and say, you know what, I didn't have a really great exposure to, say, financial discipline. Where can I get that? Just because I didn't have it growing up doesn't mean I can't get it now Julie, and recreate Julie, it and study it. Go ahead. 
let me ask you a question. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe two of those qualities, were you really mm-hmm. raised with any of those things? Was I? Are middle-class people raised with any of those qualities? You guys will, depending on your age, you'll say yes, because, you know, if you're in your 50s and 60s, you probably were raised uh, being, you know, consciously aware of this, you know, your civic responsibilities. But I promise you, uh, people younger than Julie and I weren't. Yeah, that's not started a, to multiply. That's not a characteristic. That's right. And certainly we talk endlessly on this radio show about financial education. I can tell you from personal experience, and a lot of you guys have the same experience, so when you are around people that were raised with money, they are given all those qualities. They are taught the importance of being loyal to family, being loyal to community, being loyal to God, which I'm surprised wasn't on that list. They are taught Mm -hmm. the value of work. Even people that are born with money are, you know, oftentimes you're going to find that they are actually not just sitting around buying Lamborghinis, when they're 16 years old, they're out there working because their parents make them work, not because they need the money, but because they're trying to teach them a certain value set. But it is fascinating to me. It truly is fascinating to me. And I really love that point, Julie, that so many of us weren't raised that way. So much of our society isn't focused on those five wealth-building characteristics. So you guys you know, as Julie said, if you're adults and you're wanting to kind of go back and foster those characteristics within yourself, it's not too late. Do it. It's not a big deal. If you're, you know, raising a family, go back and maybe reshuffle your deck so you can start manifesting those qualities within your family. I will suggest to you, though, if you're going to be, you know, one teaching wealth building or one teaching civic responsibility and all the things of that nature, that you have to actually do it. You can't just say it. So that means you're going to have to improve your own mindset about those particular things. Next point, Jules. Yeah, that's for sure. So the next point is that they love giving back. Point number nine, they love giving back. About two-thirds said that their family had a strong tradition of philanthropy. So what is your charity? Some of you guys do a good job through your brokerages, your companies, and that's sort of built into your pay, and that's great. But what is your charity? I always love this point because it's also actually very good for business for you to be involved in charitable work. So many of you guys are building your center of influence. You love getting referrals. You love going more upper end. So charitable work is good for you from a philanthropic standpoint, obviously from a spiritual standpoint. What is your charity? So a nice byproduct. It's also good for business. So point number 10, they're committed at home. This group is far from single and ready to mingle, as they say. A full 86% of wealthy people interviewed of the investors surveyed are married or in a long-term relationship. Are you in a relationship which supports your long-term success? I thought when I saw that point, Tim, that it was interesting as it relates to the fact that people don't talk about money because how many marriages are broken up because of financial reasons, right? All this stuff kind of commingles and really touches each other's points here, right? So talking previous points where they diversify into tangible assets, they have discipline, they have strong examples, they love giving back, but they're also committed at home. They also have real relationships. They're working on things. I get the sense from all 10 points that there's a level of commitment and discipline and being present and really doing things on purpose instead of what some people fall into, having things done to them, for them, waiting around for them. This is all about taking action. Yeah, that's basically it. But Julie... You know, you realize what you just said, actually. There's a couple thoughts, okay? Number one is the waiting around. That's those of you guys who are buying buyer leads. Those of you who are buying buyer leads, you definitely do not have the mentality of a rich person. 
Sorry, it's just true. A rich person does not buy buyer leads because the rich person knows that he can go out there or she can go out there and create their own. So how much are you waiting around for that email to show up with basically it's going to be your next trans, uh, transaction, hopefully, or the voicemail or the, you know, how much are you actually waiting around versus going out and making it happen? That is a, the very core characteristics of somebody who has uh, who is basically rich remember rich is where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money a lot of you guys are offended by that word rich i'm offended that you're offended if you want to know the truth because the very fact that you're still working and you're wanting to basically build wealth for yourself is you're wanting to be rich remember rich is just where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money allow yourself to be free it's not that difficult and be okay with the fact that you're probably going to be the only person you know that's on this path. That's the reason people join coaching. And, Julie, the other thought I had was a lot of these characteristics that you just read off, the last ten, mm-hmm. were all basic sections from Think and Grow Rich, <laughs> you know? That's true. If you think about that's it. That's true. Yep. Good commonality. And, by the, way, by the way, guys, when you fill out that form on your mobile device, just scroll down, fill out the form, name, email, phone number. We're going to give you six books, and one of the books we're going to give you is Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. This is Napoleon Hill's original book, but what we did is we went back and we put in lots of real estate stories, making it practical. Also included as one of the books is the Real Estate Treasure Map, which is basically our business plan. It's awesome. It's like 90 pages, I think. It's fill in the blank. Walks you through the whole mental process of creating your business plan. Don't be overwhelmed that it's 90 pages. The words are actually larger. (laughs) <laughs> and there's a lot of explanations. Or we built on a lot of coaching. We couldn't help ourselves. There's your 12-monthly generation plan, and a lot of other things are also included. All you guys got to do is fill out that form. Someone from our office will call you back. One of my team members will call you back, answer any questions you have about our coaching programs. Guys, listen, thank you, as always, for making this the number one listen-to real estate radio show, uh, primarily uh, for real estate agents. I sincerely appreciate it. You guys are the reason that we went from basically three years ago to no listeners, and now we have 112,000 or 113,000. You're the reason that this has become the number one listen to podcast, because you guys share the show. Please continue to do it. Help us get the word out. Help us actually from a, you know, start a movement, in essence, to from the ground floor, from the roots up, really do a meet, affect positive change in the real estate industry. Let's remove the greed. Let's remove the insanity that basically has been the hallmark of this industry for the last 10 years. And let's replace it with the types of values that I think that all of us share, the types of values that are focused on the things that really made this country great, which really made this industry great. You know, guys, our business is being taken away from us little thing by little thing. It's true. You know, these guys, you know the buying of the buyer leads, all these other things. All the, Every time you guys let somebody get between you and your customer, you actually are moving further and further away from basically the elegance that is selling real estate. I strongly suggest that you stop being lazy about doing those types of activities and start focusing on the things that you can do, the proactive things that, by the way, cost you no money. We just read you this list of the characteristics of rich people. And as Julie said, one of the, you, know, you can go through every one of those ten points, and the prevailing theme is they took action, they took action, they took action. They learned something. They improved their skill set. There's a belief that in order to be rich, you had to be born with it. There's a statistic that you guys can research this yourself, that vast amounts of Americans, and we've all been brainwashed to believe this. It's the whole political diatribe of the 1% and all that. But most people believe that people that have money were given it, were somehow had a lucky break, were somehow you know, born under a rainbow or whatever. But the reality of it is that something like 98% of all first-generation Americans who are millionaires earned it themselves. 
they were business owners just like you guys. So what is it, what is it that those people did that so many other agents and so many other people, so many other citizens, so many other fellow Americans that they're not doing? Well, I could pretty much guarantee you it comes down to the list of 10 things we just read you. Listen to this radio show again. Listen to the past radio show we did a couple days ago on this very topic. Ask questions when you have questions. Email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. I also think there's a uh, form or an email on this email that goes out to all of you guys that you can also click on to send us a reply back as well. I think our producer just added that. Anything at any time we can ever do to help you guys we are here for you. This is what we live for. We recognize that the small impacts that we make on you guys on this radio show and then as coaching clients, those lead to big impacts because then you take that, uh, that method of learning, you take that way of thinking, you te- take that value set, and then you apply it to your own life, and then all together, collectively, we start having a positive impact. That's what I hope you guys are embracing. I think you are. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to us every day. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.